Hi, I'm Tiffany. And I'm Rihanna, and welcome or welcome back to Fresh Off the Broke. Fresh Off the Broke is about personal experiences growing up Asian American in a predominantly white community, Asian media, and Asian pop culture in general. Race has always been a sensitive topic. Every day, there are debates over race. With our podcast, we intend to shed light on the experiences of first-generation Asian immigrants, not put them on a pedestal. We understand that race isn't everything, but there should be an acknowledgement of people of color, the knowledge gap, and the racial divide that will ideally be broken. Now that that's out of the way, let's get into the episode. Today's topic is transnational gentrification. Now, for our audience members that don't know what those two words mean separately or together, we're here to break that down for you. Okay, so coming from you live, coming at you live from Cambridge English Dictionary, gentrification is known as the process by which a place, especially part of a city, changes from being a quote unquote poor area to a richer area where people from a higher social class live. And what's transnational gentrification? Well, IGI Global has the answer to that question. It's known as the gentrification process that's caused by the influx of individuals from another country with higher income than that of the original residents of the area, and is closely related to mobilities and differs from tourism gentrification in the sense that there are either new permanent inhabitants, or basically residents, that acquire housing for temporary stays. Both forms lead to increasing housing and cost of living, thus leading to the displacement of the original inhabitants. So the reason why we're talking about this is, I think it's safe to say that in the Western world, there is always a bias towards like POC tourists, especially Asian tourists for being like too loud or just annoying in general. And now that I've thought about it, I'm pretty sure from what I've heard, that the two main like Asian groups that people are annoyed by are Filipinos and Chinese people. That's kind of ironic that we're both here. I know. (laughs) (laughs) We're gonna be loud. (laughs) Go on. Yeah, but so um, if you think about it, transnational gentrification is basically just showing how like Western tourists are just as bad, if not worse, because of all the ignorance that they have. Okay, so just a little disclaimer, transnational gentrification doesn't solely apply to Western tourism or gentrification that's caused by Westerners. It can be caused by any party, but today we're going to be talking about Westerners because, you know, uh, you know, like someone from Asia or someone from another place could easily gentrify another country or continent or city. Mm-hmm. The reason why we thought of this episode topic specifically is because, as we all know, it's pretty much summer right now. Well, no, it is summer right now. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, you know, that can't afford to will like can safely like go on a vacation or go to their cottage Mm -hmm. and technically run away from the COVID situation and wherever they're living. Yeah. And although that's a pretty valid reason to want to run away, (laughs) considering how bad it can get. Yes. It's really important to recognize the privilege that you have in being able to escape in a sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. 
Definitely. And I mean, even before summer, when the outbreak was just going out in the news or at the height of, you know, like the toilet paper crisis frenzy, (laughs) there were a lot of people that were immediately buying plane tickets to fly out to, for example, maybe like their home, their quote unquote home country or whatnot. And there are many people that didn't even have to go and buy a cottage because they already had one. Mm-hmm. Like there were there were some people that I know that immediately moved to their cottage, and that's where they did their online classes, just completely in isolation in the middle of well, not necessarily nowhere, but definitely in the middle of nowhere compared to living in the city. Yeah, it's definitely a way safer environment. Mm-hmm. Because it's your cottage and, like, your little cabin and then a bunch of trees. Mm-hmm. And like you said, it's definitely a valid reason. But at the same time, it is important to note that there is a lot of privilege in that, in being that not everyone can afford to do that and not everyone can just pick up everything at a whim and go. One thing that I'm reminded of when I think about transnational gentrification is... So in a couple years ago, I went back to the Philippines, specifically to Palawan. And I like remember that whenever I had trash in my hand or I wanted to throw something out, my mom would be very, very quick to be like, throw that out right now. Like, don't even be holding that. Just throw it out in the bin right now. And I was always be like, why? Like, chill, I will, I will throw it out eventually. But then she explained to me that um, in those areas of the Philippines, so like specifically Palawan, El Nido, like those tourist areas, like white beach areas. So pretty much in those areas of like tourist areas, you can be issued an on-the-spot fine for using plastics or yeah, scene littering, stuff like that. Because... There was a very big problem in these areas of pollution, which I'm sure there are pictures on the screen right now. And those areas, like the lagoons that are pictured, are the tourist spots. Like, I went there, and when I went there, there was absolutely no trash to be seen at all, anywhere, which was I thought was crazy. But it turns out that it wasn't always like that. Yeah. And that's only like the result of these laws and like they've completely banned single-use plastics and I'm pretty sure they also banned like oh yeah they banned large groups of tourists because it's harder to like regulate how much they're like polluting the environment I guess Mm -hmm. definitely yeah and I think like this is definitely a direct result of tourists. Yeah, we're going to link the article, but in this article it says that there's like a region beside El Nido and they had to close that region for six months because they, it was just so polluted. Which wow, is... Uh, six months? Yeah, they closed the whole region to tourists or anyone traveling in for six months. 
even though like that area, its main source of income is through tourism. Yeah. It's yeah, it's pretty much a quote unquote party destination. Mm -hmm. That's the thing. I even if we're not talking about quote unquote foreign land beaches, people go crazy. Yeah. On the beaches, they'll just like leave all their trash there and not even care. Mm. And people, this this is more of just a please pick up after your garbage, pick up after yourself. Yeah. Spiel. But I don't really understand how people can just drop their, I don't know, empty plastic bottle or just randomly drop their tissue on the ground. I don't know how. How do you walk away from that? I, I can't. And I don't even mean that on a moral sense, in a moral context. I just mean, how do you do that? Yeah. How it's just a just... weird, like, just dropping something and going. Like, why? Yeah. It, it kind of also reminds me of those people that don't pick up after your pet. Yeah, ew. Oh, God. Because <laughs> lately, I've been seeing a lot of people put signs on their front lawn that say, please pick up after your dog. Please. Yeah. Please respect my lawn. And it's kind of sad. I guess part of it might be because of COVID. So a lot of people aren't going out. But the thing is, you still have to go out to walk yeah. your pets because your dogs need exercise. And I don't know. I guess people are becoming a little more... Ballsy. And not caring as Carefree much. about picking up after their pets. Yeah. Which... Is that transnational gentrification? I don't know, but please pick up after your dog or cat or whatever domesticated animal you're walking on the street. Yeah, it's just like thinking about it. Imagine like going to a place that's not even your home. Like you are not from that area. You you are a guest in that area. Mm -hmm. And you you just trash the place. Like you have to be how can you not be ashamed of yourself? That's what I don't understand. Yeah, it just feels weird. I don't know how people just drop. And it's different if it's a child. They're not accustomed to these social norms or rules and stuff like that. But the thing is, like you said, I just don't know how people walk into some place that's not their home and then just drop trash mm. on the ground. How do you do that? Because, I mean, it's one thing to do that at your own house because that's where you live and what you see every day. But if it's some place that's not your own, you should have some decency or respect. Yeah. And especially areas like in, like, Palawan or El Nido, like, you're surrounded by people who literally live there. <laughs> like, how are you doing that in front of them? It's just so rude. Yeah, people tend to have a hard time or way too easy of a time separating a place of tourism. It's like what you just said right now. There are people that are literally living there and then they see all these people maybe out their window or something just th trashing the place. Mm. And I mean, some of them are enjoying the lovely beaches or waters and whatnot. But then there's also people, you know, like when they're done having fun, 
you see the you can't even see the sand anymore. Yeah. And it's good that they have these new plastic bands, but it's unfortunate the cost at which it came. Yeah. At yeah. or from. Like this is the direct result of all of this, you know. Going back to what I said about separating residency from a place of tourism and what you said about respecting people that literally live either on or near a, to a tourist location, yeah. it reminds me a lot of growing up when a lot of my classmates, they would go to Cuba, go to Mexico, go to places like that, popular tourist location, and they stay at resorts, right? And I hear all these classmates saying like, yeah, we, we could only at the resort because the outside is so dangerous they're so dirty you know the, the classic stereotypes and it's really important to note that these resorts are practically a hundred percent isolated from the local land or the locals and that's like a direct form or effect of transnational gentrification because there will be not even like a resort, there will be even kind of like vacation cities or like little vacation villages within cities so that these tourists, they don't have to step foot on the local land mm -hmm. and they can just be hanging out, checking out all these gift shops or just these stores that are inside their vacation villages. And it's hard to hear people say things like, oh yeah, we, only stayed at the resort because the outside is so dangerous and we could we might die because it shows how tone deaf they are to the circumstances of that specific economy and also it's tone deaf to the fact that hey you are in a tourist village tourist city enclosure where you're basically living in a it kind of reminds me of what's, what's that? You know the Truman Show? How he had, he was, they built a world just oh, for yeah, him. Yeah. It's very it reminds me of that because they're complete, if they want to be, they could be completely oblivious to the local land. They're not even in, they're not even technically in the place they're in. They're just in yeah, exactly. some fancy village, some fancy resort. And I, I thought it, I thought it was important to bring up because you talked about pe people disrespecting the actual locals, and that's an example of that. I mean, they definitely also trashed the resorts and so on, but I don't know. It's the idea of an actual, completely isolated enclosure or just part of the land that really spells it out for you. Mm -hmm. It's very disturbing. Yeah, it's almost like dystopian in the way that I see it. Because if you see like bird's eye images of these areas, it's literally like a very nice resort, like just a big field or like lots of pools. And then mm -hmm. directly across the fence, it's just all of these like slum areas. Mm -hmm, definitely. And it's, yeah, like you say, it's really the, the contrast there, mm -hmm. even just in color. Mind blowing, it's very jarring because yeah. you'll see bright blue and then gray, 
Exactly. That like just that like have having seen those images, I was always very uh, what's the word? Uncomfortable. Like it, when I went back to the Philippines. Sure. Yeah, it was very I just I didn't like to think about that. Mm -hmm. at all and there's always that sort of disconnect between tourists and people who literally live there because I feel like tourists especially from the west have this like mentality of oh I'm visiting this poor area I get to meet like see all the locals see how they live their way of life you know like yeah it's almost like they're going to like an exhibit or like a zoo attraction and it's like why are you treating real life people like humans just like you like they're some sort of like fun exhibition that you're going to go see and experience yeah i'm actually, i'm really glad you brought that up because there's a lot of people both west and other direction cardinal direction yeah <laughs> that get really excited about traveling to certain countries because the currency exchange is much higher yeah or, i'm not sure if it's called if it would be considered higher or lower i'm not sure what the proper term would be but for example an american dollar could get you a hundred of some other currency and so you have so much money in that currency and you can buy all these things for quote unquote cheap and the thing is, the reason why certain currencies are higher or lower is that it's because of the economy, right? Yeah. Because insert currency is worth less, which is why you can get more for the um, amount of insert your currency. Yeah. And so these people will go and be like, wow, I get to go to these outlets and I can spend $50 American, but I'm spending 5000 of this other currency. Yeah. And they don't get it. Because, I mean, everyone loves a good deal. I get that. Yeah. <laughs> but, I don't It's not that you can't do what you want to do. It's not like you can't shop and you can't get your deal. It's more of being self-aware. Hmm. Because you should know why you're able to get 5,000 of that currency with your currency. Yeah, exactly. It's like, that's the thing that always trips me out. Because everyone's, it's in the Philippines, the exchange rate is like one Canadian dollar to like 40 pesos, right? But <laughs> it's not like, what's a dollar here? Like, let's say a, a bar of candy here is a dollar. It's not like you're going to go to the Philippines and pay one peso for a candy bar. You're gonna pay 40 pesos for a candy bar still. Yeah. Like, it's not, that's not, <laughs> even though the exchange rate is like one to 40, the prices are matched up. So it's pretty, you're pretty much still paying the same thing. Like I don't. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's, <sighs> yeah, I've always, I've, heard a bunch of people who come back from their um, vacations and they're like oh I was so rich over there like one Canadian dollar was this much and it's like okay but that's not how it works yeah oh 
And another thing to note, minimum wages vary from country to country or from state to state or from province to province. And one thing that is important to talk about uh, when we're talking about this whole currency exchange thing is that, for example, $1 might be 40 pesos, but the minimum wage in the Philippines might be, I'm going to be honest, I don't know. Let's just say, let's just say it's 20 pesos an hour. Mm. Let's just say that. Yeah. And so you, with your $1 that can get 40, you are in a sense living more lavishly yeah. than the local. The, and because sometimes they, because I agree that they price match things. However, there's also, I don't know how to explain it. Because the thing is, when we're when you're talking about trade, which I, you and I aren't exactly <laughs> experts on thing on international trade yeah. and things like that, because sometimes prices will end up being higher than what you would expect in Canada or in wherever your home country is. Mm. But sometimes it will be lower, and the thing is. A important context to be aware of, or maybe not context, but just something to be aware of is the fact that maybe the minimum wage in that place, since, you know, because the currency is worth less because of the economy and their minimum wage is lower than the minimum wage of your country. And so something that you might be happy about getting for cheap is the result of a quote-unquote, poor economy. Yeah. That's something That's something people should be aware of, or, yeah. I guess, yeah, be aware of. Even, like, in the Philippines, specifically, I know that, like, there are no such things as, like, part-time jobs. Like, it's not, it's not oh, yeah. a thing where a teenager would, like, work in uh, like a McDonald's for the summer just to pick up some cash. Like, no, if you want to work at McDonald's, like that's going to be your job. I didn't know that. Yeah, I remember I was talking to my cousin about, um, what was I talking about? I think my mom was just telling my cousin that, oh, Rihanna's going to get a part-time job soon. And my cousin was like, what? What do you mean a part-time job? And I was telling her like, oh yeah, I, I can work, whatever. And she is like maybe three two years older than me and she was like oh I can't do that well I actually didn't know that was a thing in the Philippines that you can't or at least the opportunities are much more scarce yeah it's not like you can't but it's very not Mm -hmm. the job market and minimum wages do say a lot about a place economy yeah yeah, it really does. But at the same time, when they when they raise the minimum wage, they end they end up also raising prices. Yeah, that is true. Which is, uh, I really hope no econ bro is gonna come in here and start yelling at us. Econ, please. please econ don't. bros, we come in peace. We're not trying to start anything. Yeah, we're really not. Please don't come after us. We're looking at this holistically. Yeah. Please continue studying and using, I don't know, using your knowledge for good, I guess. Yeah. 
<laughs> now that we've shared our personal experiences, let's talk a bit about some big news stories that you may have not realized were actually connected to transnational gentrification. So our first story actually relates to the currency tangent we were just on. So sometime in the fall of 2017, which it admittedly quite some time ago, there was a video that went viral of a white woman that was being chased after an Asian an Asian lady. And that was very confusing for people on the internet because in the video, which you, you will have access to the link to the article that we use, so you can watch the video there. But in the video, this woman was being chased by this Asian woman and she, the British woman was in a sense like begging for her life and you could hear the Asian woman yelling at her saying how you tourists uh, complain about prices but you're rich and whatnot and so the context behind this whole story Gemma Wilson the British woman in question was trekking along the Annapurna circuit with her son and they stopped at a tea house to buy some black tea for 150 rupees which I need everyone to just write this down quickly mm -hmm. the equivalent of one euro and so the whole conflict the whole story behind this video this viral video was that Gemma was appalled by the fact that the tea cost 150 rupees because she said that she was used to paying 50 which is equivalent to 35 cents for black tea however she admitted to had have not asked for the price before buying the tea and so when she realized that it cost quote unquote that much she complained to the lady and according to the article and her response, because she did res respond to interviews and, you know, like questions, she said that she paid for the tea, but she admits to audibly complaining a lot to the owner. And so after they drank their tea and left, like her and her son, they took some pictures of the store and the owner saw them taking pictures and got really mad and started chasing them. And, you know, in the video, when if you watch it, you can see her, um, not the, the owner, the British woman, Gemma, begging for her life because the owner of the store started throwing rocks at them and physically attacking them because she was really mad. And in the video, you can hear her say, oh, you tourists, you're you're rich, but you complain about tea. Like, we're, we're poor. Well, she didn't say we're poor, but essentially insinuating, like, hey, you're, you're tourists. You're so rich. Why are you complaining about my tea? It's literally only 150 rupees, which I know isn't that much for y'all. And the thing that really ticked me off about this is that, I don't know, I, 
of course you can say that both parties are in a sense at fault because the owner didn't have to retaliate physically. Yeah. However, there is an also an important thing to consider, which is the tea was one euro, a mm. dollar. I don't, I don't think I've ever bought tea for a dollar here, which, no. you know, obviously we're in Canada, but I, I've never bought tea for a dollar before. Is that not, I mean, I understand how she, Gemma said she was used to paying 50 rupee, which was the equivalent of 35 cents for black tea. But at the same time, she also, one, admitted to not asking how much it cost and just saying, I wanted black tea, and then later found out how much it cost. But even if it was one year, I don't know, because the thing is, it would have been different if the owner had said, oh, yeah, this is 50 rupees, and then later overcharged her. Yeah. But she didn't do that. So that was a little confusing. Oh, and another thing, Gemma said that she originally wanted to press charges because of the physical attack, but then she found out that the nearest police station was like days away. So she gave up on that. And also, I can't find this anymore. Maybe she took down her blog, but Gemma made a blog post about this. And I only know vague information about it since I, I can't access it anymore. But she was, in a sense, talking about how, like, how scared she was. And I don't know, because like I said earlier, I really do think that both parties have some fault in it. Although like part of me kind of wants to place a little bit more blame on the tourists. Mm. Even though, of course, the owner didn't have to attack her physically. Because, I don't know, because if you think about it, it's really not that much to ask for for a euro, you know what I mean? And of course, if if you took away the physical attack element, it would probably be much more easier to defend the owner. Yeah. But you also have the physical attack element, which turns it into like a two-party fault issue. I don't know. It's, it's a little iffy because in the initial article or in Gemma's response, she said she didn't ask how much it cost. And, but at the same time, the owner charged at them after seeing her take pictures of the shop, which, I mean, we don't know why they took those pictures, and that could have been a misunderstanding. Maybe the owner thought that they were going to take a picture and leave a poor review or trash the restaurant or tea house, more professional term, which I, I guess in a way is also defensible because you want to protect your business Yeah. because sometimes tourists and you know we have the stereotypical Karens they can severely harm businesses you know by making up claims or 
having exaggerated bad stories. What what's your take on this? I mean, it's I a little it's just a little bit of an iffy situation. Yeah. It's definitely a situation that could have been avoided 100% and I do think that if she literally just paid the 1 euro for her tea, like none of this would have happened. Like I think it's very it sounds like a Karen being put in her place, which obviously like I don't condone violence. I don't think that the <laughs> the owner should have like started throwing rocks and physically attacking but you know you get what you get <laughs> again i do not condone violence violence is wrong but <laughs> but yeah yeah it's just an iffy situation because i already said this earlier but i understand how you know if you're used to playing 50 rupee and 150 seems a lot more than that. But when you put that into perspective, like convert it into euros, it's like, why are you throwing such a big fuss about that? Yeah, that's, that's one of the main things holding me back. The two big things that are holding me back or confusing me or just causing me to have a bit of a conflict is one, the currency exchange, mm-hmm. and two, the violent aspect. Yeah. I mean, it really, but do you do you people really ever order things without asking the price? I mean, I guess she seems like a Karen. No offense. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, I'm probably biased, but because I don't know if I've ever. Because usually you would see the menu or just have some awareness to the cost of the thing you're about to eat or drink or whatever. I don't know. It's it's a weird situation. But yeah. in my personal opinion, I have worked with many Karens before. And let me just say, sometimes I do wish that I could throw rocks at them. <laughs> Take back your I don't condone violence. I don't. But in my theor- theoretical world... I would also throw rocks. Yeah. Again, I do not condone violence. Yeah. Yeah, it's really the violence aspect. I think I have a I have a similar opinion to you, and the violence is confusing me a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I guess at the end of the day, it's really just this business owner was trying to protect their business because I imagine the locals of most quote-unquote touristy locations are very on edge with tourists they yeah. def- they definitely haven't only met one bad or one fussy tourist before mm. and so after Gemma had complained so much and then you see them taking pictures you know I can understand why the owner put two and two together in that way yeah Yeah, the video is a little, I don't, I don't know if I want to say startling, it's a little, it's a little aggravating in a sense. Yeah, I Because like watching if you only watch the video, then I, I, I guess you would say Gemma is completely in the right and that Gemma is a victim because of the physical attack. Because in the video, Gemma is 
begging for her life, saying like, please let us go, please, please. Oh my god, and be- being very scared. Yeah. But then the thing is, when with this context, I don't, I don't necessarily want to say they deserve it. But at the same time, you know, it's a, it's a, it takes two to start a conflict. Yeah. Yeah. It really could have been avoided. It was an easily avoidable situation. Yes, it really was. It could have been, hey, I want to buy tea. How much is it? 150 rupees. Whoa, that's so expensive. Maybe I won't buy from here. Yeah. Okay, I guess. Bye. Yeah. You know, it's just... The owner forced her to go to her place and mm-hmm. they didn't tell her the price and it was like $50 for a cup of tea. Yeah, and then one last thing to note. I think people have been desensitized or they don't really see what it takes to make tea or these very popular food items because, you know, farmers or not migrant workers but people that work in agriculture and I don't mean people that work in agriculture like factories or like own factories I mean like the actual people on the field growing rice Mm -hmm. or tea leaves and things a lot more work goes into it than you think and people need to respect that Mm -hmm. that could have very easily been one of the reasons why the owner was so upset. And by the way, the reason why I'm not saying the name of the owner is because I don't know the name of the owner. I only know it was never disclosed in the article because the owner wasn't contacted by any new mm-hmm. new uh, media companies. And it was Gemma that had responded. And also Gem- Gemma had a blog that we can't look at anymore, but yeah. Gemma had a blog. Also, by the way, just one euro is equal to one dollar and roughly fifty cents in Canadian. So look at that. Yeah. A dollar fifty. Well, it's one forty nine, but close enough. <laughs> I mean, by the time you're listening to this episode, yeah, it might it might change. Yeah, it might have might be one fifty. <laughs> yeah. It changes all the time, kind of like stock prices. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. Are the stock bros gonna come after me for saying that? <laughs> Please don't. I come in peace. Now, stocks aside, <laughs> let's move on to our next story, which, gosh, with the social media age and influencer trends, this whole story is a big face palm or just a big yeah moment. <laughs> so let's let's break it down first. You have Christian Gray, who is who a self-proclaimed digital digital nomad, which nomad basically is another word for traveler in a sense, mm-hmm. just someone that is not. I don't want to say not grounded, but the dictionary definition is someone basically without fixed habitation. Yeah. So someone that like frequently travels doesn't really have a 
permanent home in a sense. And this person was caught under fire because they had this very extensive Twitter thread, which, yes, you know, it's bad when it's on Twitter. Yeah. (laughs) Basically about how cheap it was for her and her girlfriend to live in Bali during COVID. She said that it cost her $400 to live in her treehouse, which, fun fact, the minimum wage for locals is $140. So, you know, put that into perspective. Yeah. And she used this thread to advertise a book, or I guess an ebook, about this entire experience. It's called Our Bali Life is Yours. And it was going for $30. I'm assuming it's USD because she's from America. Yeah. Uh, the US, that is. So her Twitter thread was called Moving Out of America in My 20s has been a game changer. I've been living in Bali, Indonesia for over a year with my girlfriend. A thread. Dot, dot, dot. So <laughs> she wrote she writes about how she was paying 1300 for her LA studio and now she has a treehouse for $400. And some quote, like quote unquote some major benefits of moving to Bali. Safety, low cost of living, luxury lifestyle, queer friendly, black and Bali community. So she also wrote, overall, Bali has helped me heal from my childhood traumas, some physical ailments like IBS and acid reflux. Oh, that's an interesting detail to say. And um, the entire experience has been about healing and growth. I needed to press pause on my American life to rest and heal. Quote unquote, Bali was the perfect medicine. Obviously, when she posted this thread, a lot of people weren't very happy with this. And mm-hmm. some of these replies are pretty much sum this up really well. So someone said, so basically using the privilege of Western education to become upper class in an Asian country where most people can only clean such houses. Yeah, that doesn't sound problematic at all. Other people have said she's enjoying her foreigner privilege here. You don't know in Bali, our local people treated as second class citizens in a certain in, in a certain place. And she said everything in here is cheap while our locals are struggling with their lives. Yeah, and that's really the main issue that people have taken with this thread and also with the book that she was telling because well, one, this was during COVID when, like we said in our intro and everything, most people can't afford to travel or can't even think of traveling, whether that is outside of the country or even to a little further up north in the quote-unquote countryside. And I understand the excitement that comes with, hey, oh my God, I have a treehouse for $400 when I was paying $1,300 for my LA studio. What a steal. And I, yeah, I guess, I guess it is a steal. But then you have to take into context what I said earlier about the minimum wage being $140. Someone would have to work, well, you know, assuming they don't have savings or anything. Someone would have to work at least three-ish years to be able to afford that. Mm-hmm. 
also someone this okay this situation is kind of messy because people start bringing into like like race and stuff like that so someone mm. tweeted oh god I'm I am sorry but a young black queer woman makes a thread here about moving to Bali after the stresses of the past year in America and you all just jump on her and start grilling her about gentrification and colonization lord some of you need less time online and someone responded very well with Americans are always saying listen to POC but when actual locals actual Indonesians are criticizing Christian Grey for exploiting Bali with her US citizenship y'all assume that we're racist And someone said, this isn't about black Americans. It's about foreigners or expats moving to countries to make a permanent vacation lifestyle while still making US salary abroad. Notice how she plugged her ebook and social media. She's working right now. She's hustling right now as a digital nomad. Yeah, it's kind of like with our initial story, there are some iffy spots about it because of the fact that race had to be dragged into it with uh, Christian being being black. And I do agree with the point that was being made about Americans saying that you should listen to the actual locals or the people that are experiencing the injustice. Mm -hmm. Because of course, we would not, we're not going to say that Christian Grey hasn't faced or struggled with oppression at all because, you know, she, she's a black American and also identifies as queer. There's so many different factors that play against her yeah. and her girlfriend. However, because we're talking about a situation where she is, in a sense, like that person that exploiting Bali with her U.S. citizenship and also the fact that she can afford to live in such a, a very pretty treehouse mm-hmm. for cheap on her terms, but something that's extremely unattainable for the locals. And I mean, it's kind of like what we were saying about the Cuban resorts, because these places, of course, they're not 100% unattainable for locals, but given the context of the economy and the minimum wage and everything, you know these fancy places weren't made for the locals. Exactly. They weren't necessarily made with the locals in mind. And that's the part where it gets iffy. And also, especially the ebook part. Yeah, like the plugging it at the end, like, oh god. Yeah, and there isn't anything inherently wrong with having a digital or online social media-based job. Plenty of people do that. There are plenty of people that are happy with that and they're successful, which is good for them. Of course, as long as you're not exploiting people and (laughs) using it for bad, in a sense. However, there holds a lot of privilege for someone to be able to have a job that they can continue working on no matter where they are. Yeah, exactly. And of course, and someone could say, you can start a YouTube channel for free. You can start a this and that for free. Yes, you can. But not everyone has the privilege of actually being able to pursue such thing. Yeah. 
because it's at the end of the day, it's not always about time management. It's not always about saying, hey, if you want to do it, then just do it. Yeah. You're just you're just lazy and that's why you're going to stay poor forever or yeah. whatnot, which the echo chambers of hustle and yeah. grind <laughs> social media. The, the grind never stops. Yeah. But this, this really is a lot of privilege in being able to make that her full-time job. I mean, I'm not saying that she didn't have to work to become a successful digital nomad or yeah. influencer. But the fact that she's able to, one, have a job where she can go wherever she wants, two, live in an extremely nice and cheap for her, place in Bali and three sell a book about it yeah exactly the book basically ties together the first and second point it was originally a thread right but then she's also advertising a book that's basically a more extensive version of the thread of course but it just it turned into kind of a misleading thing because it does remind me of a lot of the hustle right uh rising grind niche of social yeah. media like well they'll say it. it's so easy to start drop shipping or it's so easy to do this but then at the end of their video or at the end of the post they always advertise their courses yeah they're like sign up for my course now where i can tell you the exact same thing but it's in a course format and you have to pay because mm-hmm. it would it's yeah. different if she had just made it a Twitter thread, even though the Twitter thread still does show elements of yes. clear privilege there. It's just, it's like, I, I can't say I'm disappointed, obviously, but it's just sad to see, like, someone who, like, obviously with her, like, she's queer, she's black, she she has faced these, like, stru- like, she knows how it feels to be like not at the obviously not at the top of the high the social hierarchy you know what I mean mm-hmm. and but the fact that like she has this platform but she's like using it to promote pretty much just transnational gentrification like you yeah. know what it's like to not be at the top shouldn't you be using that platform to I don't know like not do that <laughs> yeah it would have been different if it was structured almost in one of those started from the bottom kind of folks. Because the thing is, I'm I'm not necessarily, I'm not, like, I'm happy for her that she has this very nice new house. And she, like she said in her thread, Bali's the perfect medicine. She seems very happy, feels safe there. Yeah, well, she had, you know. Yeah, (laughs) we'll get get into that in a second. Yeah, we will. Like, it's great. But then it had to be a thread about teaching people how to live in Bali for cheap, especially with the context of COVID. Yeah, like this was during COVID. You are not allowed to go to Bali. The borders were closed. Yeah, and the thing is, she noted that they only planned to stay in Bali for six months, but then the onset of COVID forced them to wait it out, which... Like the whole the whole thing about this situation is the tone deafness, yeah. if that's even a word. Just one long sigh, like, come on. <laughs> yeah, and 
to go back to what Rihanna said about had she ended up getting deported sometime <laughs> afterward Rihanna sorry I'm sorry it's not funny it's not funny she ended up getting deported sometime afterwards because it turned out that she violated a number of immigration laws. Originally, okay, this, here's some context in a sense. So originally, some people had already been accusing her of doing that, talking talking about taxes, and not necessarily tax evasion, but basically, people were accusing her of working without a business visa mm. because of some of the resources or just the way that she was talking about these things. And she had argued, I'm not, I didn't overstay my visa. I'm not making money in their currency. And the thing is, she said that she was being deported because she's part of the LGBT community, which... At least from the from the article that I have and like from the sources that I have, which this is like a New York Times article. Not that New York Times can't be biased, but with the information that I have, they said that it wasn't quote unquote just that or it wasn't that because the thing is, give me a second. Okay, so in this statement, the Bali Immigration Office did allude to what she was saying about the LGBT community. So that's something that we should note. They also said that they, she was spreading misinformation or just, in a sense, bad information or just information that they didn't want out about the ease of entering Indonesia during the pandemic. Yeah. Because of the whole well, the pandemic. Yeah. I don't I don't know how else to to phrase it. And the thing is some people criticized her or just t- took notice of certain things that she said they said on Twitter. Someone said you said Bali is queer friendly, but then you also said that you're being discriminated against in a homophobic country. Yeah. Which is a little, it's a little confusing. Of course, Rihanna and I will, will never support a country discriminating against someone solely because of their sexuality or solely because of yeah. things that they can't change. That's bizarre and ridiculous and just wrong. However, it is a little confusing just the whole story because she did say that Bali is queer friendly and you know of course at the same time it's not right for the government to say hey don't say that we don't want you here anymore don't tell people that we're welcoming of that community that's it's wrong for them to condemn yeah condemn the right term condemn that it it just leads me to wonder how or why she thought it was queer friendly because the thing is at the time to- I actually I don't think it is right now anyway but same sex marriage isn't recognized in Indonesia yeah so 
I don't know. That part was a little confusing. Not something that's justified, but it just is confusing that that happened. Yeah. I will, however, support the point that they made about her spreading information about the ease of entering Indonesia during the pandemic. Oh, yeah. Because the whole issue is that, well, at least the whole issue on the internet outside of the government taking matters into the own hand, their own hands is her selling this quote-unquote cheap Bali lifestyle. Yeah. Which isn't true and also is toned deaf to the locals and people that genuinely couldn't possibly never attain that lifestyle mm. in their wildest dream. So for some context or just a, a sense of a timeline, these articles both the ones about her being criticized and also the deportation ones, they all came out near the beginning of this year, near the beginning of 2021. And sometime after being deported or in the process of this deportation, her Twitter account was taken down and they took down the ebook. I imagine that was to help their case. Mm. And their lawyer made an interesting comment about how they think that the only reason why they were deported is because of the criticism on social media. Which, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. Yeah. Because criticism on social media happens all the time. Yeah. (laughs) And with much more quote-unquote, famous people. And you don't really see them getting deported, you know? Mm-hmm. And I mean, I hope Christian Grey and her girlfriend are doing well and they learned a lesson through this experience. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> it doesn't... And no, it never said that she apologized. And I mean... Throughout, it seems like she was standing or basically fighting, not fighting her case, standing her ground about the whole thread and book and everything. She she didn't think there was anything wrong with it, which I guess learned her lesson the hard way. Yeah. Oh, man. I, I was just looking at her thread, or not thread, her highlights her Bali highlight on her Instagram and there's one that literally just says humble yourself and it's like girl (laughs) oh damn a little tone deaf just a little wow also her Instagram is still up I guess because I searched it up and Mm -hmm. that's interesting well regardless we we hope that they're are they doing well i mean you can see their instagram they seem like they're doing well yeah (laughs) okay then i guess they're doing well and i i wish them well i hope she learned or i i don't know sometimes people don't learn lessons from things sometimes people this happened to them and they just stay mad about it yeah but i really hope that if she didn't learn something from it i hope we can learn something from it us the listeners about being self-aware and and it's just I don't know I think 
I can see why there are people that get very defensive or upset when people talk about checking your privilege. Mm-hmm. Because, yes, people, some people do take it as an opportunity, turn it into oppression Olympics and whatnot. And it's hard for people to be introspective in the fact that you have to think about what you have automatically because then it, then it might feel dismissive of any struggles that you might have had. Mm-hmm. But the point of privilege isn't supposed to dismiss your struggles. It's supposed to acknowledge the context of which things that you automatically don't have to struggle through. Mm-hmm. Which is really, it, I can understand why it can be hard for people to wrap their heads around that. Yeah. But, you know, give it a try. (laughs) (laughs) Period. I guess, in conclusion, just be considerate, (laughs) y'all. As I was saying earlier, how would you feel if someone came to your home and just trashed the place? I don't think you'd feel too good about that. I mean, I know I wouldn't. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and really... We end a lot of our episodes with similar topics about being considerate and being aware. But at the end of the day, it really does come down to these few elements or just these few ways of thinking. Because sometimes, I, I mean, I know people say hindsight is twenty twenty and things like that. Mm-hmm. But sometimes if you just are a little bit more empathetic and like we've been saying considerate it can prevent a lot of problems in a sense and also you can form better relationships with people and also if you're more considerate not only will you probably have a better time in these places on your vacation but you can make it that the people there can have a good time as well yeah because like Rihanna was reminding us of the visiting someone's house situation if someone came to your house that you invited them over to have fun and they trashed your house well then you're gonna be upset you know like your friends like maybe you might have a fight about it or something but the thing is if because I mean I guess in the in a friend context there's boundaries that can be communicated which is different because of a country however however let's just move that all aside the the whole basis of what we're saying is just please be considerate and think about how you would feel if any of these things were to happen to you and also especially be aware of the privilege that you have especially in the sense of wealth yeah because like we've been saying this whole time, currency exchange, the whole 150 rupees to one euro. Oh God. 35 cents, 50 rupees. You can enjoy these luxuries and these vacations, going to outlets and buying things for cheap, but also be aware of who is behind that and why you're getting these things for cheap. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're not allowed to do this or like you're canceled or whatnot. Just be aware. That's really what it is at the end of the day. Be aware, be respectful. And like Ellen says best. <laughs> oh God. Be kind. <laughs> oh God. Anyway, thank you.
thank you so much for tuning in. Feel free to leave a comment about any of your personal experiences regarding transnational gentrification. For example, have you had people visit your hometown, your home city, maybe a park you really like and you see that they trashed it? Have you ever been on a trip and saw your fellow tourists being extremely disrespectful? Have you ever been the disrespectful one? <laughs> Call yourself out. <laughs> we, we, we won't attack you. This is, a, this is a place of learning. People make mistakes. Additionally, feel free to leave a comment about your thoughts on either of the two stories we shared, whether you agree with us, you don't. We're always open to discussion. And, you know, like like I said, this is a place of learning. We're, we're here to talk and learn from each other's experiences, learn from our faults, learn from our mistakes, and just learn, you know? <laughs> so, if you guys like this episode and want to stay connected with us, check out our website in the description. It contains links to our streaming platforms such as Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, and more. Follow us for more behind-the-scenes content, announcements, and other random things we decide to put on there. See you next time!